Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the news show. It's powered by hometown.com. We've got 10 articles all set up. Today is season three, episode 26 for January 26, 2024. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. Up there is the visualizer up there. Up here. Yup, you are the AI from the future, the sentient AI from the future. You want to say hi? Good evening, Omtown citizens. So today we're going to be talking about, well, we start out with, I just don't like it anymore. And then a canceled survival game from Blizzard and ditching education for education. And um, cheesesteaks so good you'll go to prison. And screw that location right there. And why do Heinz condiments have numbers? How about a little zombie plants? And check out the size of that sargassum. Flexible robots. And the ISS is mutating into Choo Choo Charles. <laughs> that and a whole lot of snark. I thought that was muted for a moment. So we've already got all 10 of our articles all set up. I don't know. Do you like that flow or do you like the flow where we introduce ourselves after the intro? Like I do the yeah, show. I think it makes thing. more sense to intro first, but. Okay. So we'll do the, okay. I'll, I'll fix that. So at any rate, let's get into the articles now. How about that? Okay. First article. Come on, transitions. You can. First article is over in um, Hatch Ideas. A woman is going viral for returning her couch to Costco two years after buying it. Quote, we just don't like the color anymore. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Apparently, it's a clip that's gone viral on TikTok because that's what everything does nowadays. When you think viral, you think TikTok. Right, that's the only way it can go viral, right? Apparently. Oh, is that a hint that I should probably be posting clips on TikTok? All right. All right, fine. I'll figure something out. I keep promising to do it anyway. Emily Rella over at entrepreneur.com put the article together. A... So this last name I have heard pronounced either Win or Nguyen or Nguyen. Is it pronounced just Win? Jackie Win? Yes, I believe so. So a woman named Jackie Win went viral on TikTok for explaining how she returned her couch to Costco after owning it for more than two years. Win claims that she didn't need a receipt to return the item because she knew when she bought it and Costco found the purchase record and she was able to receive a full refund for the couch how that doesn't hell? make any sense she probably used it for two years or more the employee just asked me if there was anything wrong with it and if i didn't want it or like it anymore and i just said i didn't like it anymore i just don't like the color anymore and they gave us our refund full That's refund the color is faded after two years of use the couch 
was sold for $900, but now sells for $1,500. So she was refunded $900, according to the Daily Dot, where this article was sourced from. Apparently, in a now deleted post, Wynn told viewers that when returning a large ticket item like that to Costco, you can only expect to be refunded for the amount you purchased it for, even if the item increased. Oh, we're only seven minutes into eight o'clock. Uh, I guess it's the no bleep news. Yeah, I guess we have to wait. I don't know. Oh, we're only four minutes into the stream, not even five minutes into the stream, and we've already hit no bleep news. I don't even have the bleep anymore. My mixer is different. So um, I used to have a, like a bleep button. Now I don't have it. I mean, it's the same mixer. It's just stream deck is slow in its response time. So like I hit a button and it doesn't instantly play. Um, not like the go XLR and other mixers where it's hard coded in really fast response time, but that has nothing to do with this article or the show. So I'm just going to move on. What do you think? Do you think you can return anything to Costco? It seems like I can return anything to Costco. I mean, I almost wonder if she got it from Costco, but it says that they did find the purchase the record. record. Yeah why they would take this back. I mean, this must be like an extreme case of if we do this, we'll have this customer for life. Uh, is, because they basically used it for a couple of years and then said, okay, why don't I get paid for it again? Costco's return policy states that the company will guarantee your satisfaction on every product we sell and will refund your purchase price with certain exceptions including some electronics that must be returned within 90 days and a no return policy on cigarettes and alcohol. Hey, I drank this bottle of alcohol and I really, hold on a second. I smoked Ugh. a cigarette. There's I really a don't like it. Butt left. <laughs> yeah. Look, I smoked this pack of cigarettes and I really didn't like them. Not to mention I'm a non-smoker and I really hate smoking and I really hate cigarettes and no, your cigarette smoke doesn't fall out of the air after like 30 feet. The person that said that to me, I swear, I wanted to just smack him. Anyway, enough of that, right? Let's go on to the next article. Raw. Yeah, um, the next article is over in Warcrafters. Blizzard canceled survival game had been in development for over six years and was highly praised by employees. But I guess employees don't pay the bills. They apparently are just the bill and thus are now terminated. They have massive profits, these folks. And with the acquisition, you knew it was coming, but Microsoft is a juggernaut. They're billions in profits. And they're firing people and closing projects and it's broad spectrum. It's like 1900 people. I think I counted something like 5,000 or 6,000 people fired in January alone wow. across all of the companies. Blizzard's unnamed survival game had already been in development for over four years when it was announced in early 2022. Its team doubled in size that year with plans to grow even more in 2023. Now, after over six years of total development time and positive responses to the project from current and former Blizzard employees, the game has been canceled by Microsoft and its developers are out of jobs. 
Yeah. Matt London, the game's former associate uh, narrative director, said that they're fired and their project deleted. Tyler Wild over at PCGamer.com put the article together. The deck statement says many of the survival game games devs, many of the survival games devs have now been laid off with no ship game for their resumes and very little public information about the project. <clears throat> yeah, hopefully they can still use something in their portfolio. Um, but this is basically six years of wasted existence. But I'm guessing they have an NDA that says they can't release any info about it. That's usually the case. It isn't their IP. It's all work for hire. So I don't know. Now, after six years, what do they put on their resume? They worked over at this place until it was closed. Until it tanked? I mean, that's really a win. But it's not even a tank. It was a deletion by Microsoft, not even the company that actually formed it. You know it's, that, and I know that, but does a future employer know that? Yeah, they have to upsell it. So I had been thinking about spinning up a site that was basically dedicated to this, you know, all of the people that are getting fired from the game industry. Um, kind of like an eft company, but focusing on the people. But the people would have to disclose who they are, and that never looks good, you know. Public information is one thing where... A company is just effed and you can talk about it all day long as long as you're not known from within the company and releasing insider information. You can basically talk about implosions, but <clears throat> talking about how you were fired and what your job was and blah, blah, blah. That kind of gives away quite a bit. That video up at the top of this has nothing to do with the show, by the way. That just keeps things interesting. Yeah. So Blizzard's survival game was announced as a new world different from any Blizzard had created. Two pieces of concept art, the only material that was ever released, showed modern-day humans in a fantasy realm with a floating castle visible uh, uh, through overgrown forests, as well as a hooded forest ranger who uh, wouldn't be out of place on League of Legends roster. So, yeah, kind of sucks. Uh, quote, this team is nuts and nice, and the project is like, ugh, so cool, said Blizzard artist Melissa Kelly at the time. All I can say is it's going to be uh, going to absolutely rock, said novelist and Blizzard writer Christy Golden. Hella beautiful, too. I cannot wait. Oh, everybody's going to have to. Well, actually, you know what? It's The IP could be rolled into something that's already in place. Exactly. It might not be lost, but... I can't imagine if somebody worked on this, say, from the get-go. They put six years into it, and then it's just canned. Yeah. And, of course, former Blizzard president Mike Ibarra, who also exited the company this week, said after a 2022 announcement that he'd played many hours of the game and was incredibly excited about the team's vision and the brand new world it uh, presents for players to immerse themselves in together. So it was an MMO. I was actually looking forward to this. Uh, now it's kind of pissed away. So, and it's a Microsoft product. So who knows what the hell is going to happen? Um, there was one product that I was um, utilizing for close to eight years that changed forms and names five times. Um, and uh, I don't know if it exists anymore. It might've been rolled into another product. 
uh, but I got tired of having to jump through certain hoops to make it work so I stopped using it altogether um, and my my clients were the ones that paid the price so um, so yeah this is part of 1900 jobs across Activision Blizzard and other Microsoft gaming companies that basically are taking a hit with this new and again they already have profits the, the re, what's, what you're going to see here soon is Microsoft is going to do buyback in, of the stock um, using these record profits and then trimming the fat so that's what y'all are okay folks y'all are just fat you got to stay lean you got to stay hungry but Microsoft doesn't want your fat that's, that's well, I mean anybody who works for any tech company in the last year should be expecting the possibility of a layoff sadly oh god that just sounds so so but it's sad. accurate right every major company has had like 10 percent cuts or something the former blizzard survival game developers now face an aspect of working in games that they've heard of the developer or i'm sorry the author has heard of uh, developers lament before on top of the threat of being laid off they face the threat of being laid off before they've been able to release anything so they can't even you know put that feather in their cap and say they were part of this um and here's the bigger problem okay this is kind of like attorneys uh being released by arthur anderson when it imploded Ten thousand employees released into the wild just from one company everybody clamoring for jobs that are available in that field meant that wages get suppressed and they could ask for extraordinarily high things as employers the employees if they wanted to have food on their table i would take whatever gig actually showed up um, this is an even more niche job because attorneys attorneys have an, have the ability to literally work in any field there isn't a single field that doesn't need an attorney and some attorneys if they plan properly um, they can save up while they're working and if they get laid off they can hang their own shingle it actually isn't a detriment to their future employability in fact it shows that they have the chutzpah to go out and find clients which means even if a firm has partners and subordinates they can get either they can either merge with the uh, with another firm or they can become a subordinate uh, not a partner um, but uh what do you call them like um of counsel yeah i mean they can just be an attorney for the law firm and they can go out and find business and bring it into the the, the law like firm. a rainmaker uh, well no i mean that's too grandiose i'm talking because there's partners and then there are just attorneys that work for the law firm um as subordinates not partners as associates yeah yeah associates um there you go that's the word that i was looking for i don't know why i was struggling with it i mean i use it every damn day but i'm not an attorney and even if i was an attorney i'm not your attorney and neither is the ai the ai is a sentient ai from the future anyway my point is there are fewer jobs in the game industry than there are attorneys and so 1900 people is probably the equivalent of 25,000 attorneys being let loose into the space because there's such a constrained number of positions and it's not like these people can just 
spin up a game company and start producing a product or being a consultant for um, in indie because it is expensive. And if you go taking jobs just willy nilly, you're not going to get food on the table long term. You know, I, I mean, time is money and you probably have a lot of student loan debt and whatever else. Anyway, I'm saying in much, much too many terms, it's going to be tough to get gigs. Um, but the, the business world has basically created an air of zero loyalty to or from each other. Um, it's literally, you know, choke the next person out so that you can take their position. It's very dystopian, almost cyberpunk 2077-esque, where if you can delete somebody, good luck, you've got the job kind of a thing. When there's one Sith, there's always a second. Anyway, it's going to be tough, um, and uh, I wish them luck, but I don't know. Go apply to become a professor at a university and teach people how to do what you do uh, because that is a niche that isn't very well filled right now computer graphic design um, 3d modeling and things like that programming itself game design i mean there are degrees in it nowadays i'm um, subordinate degrees in computer science did you want to keep going yes or did you want to just bow out and just we're done for today no? no, let's go to the next article. Okay. Uh, the next article is over on hometown daily. Um, more Americans ditching four year college degrees for two year and trade programs. Um, that was actually not planned. That little transition from the gaming thing over to this. I know that was odd. <laughs> that, that, that was actually, actually an accident so, or a subconscious. Um, so I titled this Ditching Education for Education. So, you know, they're ditching I mean, didn't four years. did we just see an article a few months ago that kind of said the opposite? Oh, I don't like, recall. The community college enrollment was down. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. I everything was more down. than a few months ago, but yeah. yeah. Um, but community college uh, enrollment was down during the pandemic, um, but four year was just hammered um primarily because if you wanted to you couldn't stay in any of the dorms you had to go somewhere else but um nowadays two-year colleges are starting to ramp up and trade programs are starting to ramp up but this has actually ebbed and flowed over the decades before uh, there was a lot of hype 30 years ago to be in college um, that actually was offset by trade programs uh, increasing now the people that were 20 years old or you know 16 to 24 years old going into trade programs are now in their 50s and um the 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 ebb and flow is back okay so now the trades are in a glut because they're all of the old people are retiring, but there aren't any young people. And so now yeah, there's true. this mass marketing of trade programs in two years. Um, in a lot of the fields in two years, you could actually hit the ground running. You don't need to go to a four year because four years are typically trying to get you to do fundamental research. They, they are looking for you to chase down grants 
do fundamental research, field research, get you out there to see if you can, uh, you know, uh, basically I guess it depends publish. on what field you're in, though. Yeah. Well, name a field where you don't have internships. Name a field in a four-year university, a four-year right. college. Right. I mean, I guess I was thinking, yeah, if you're just getting a bachelor's degree, but of course, a lot of people are going beyond the bachelor's degree. Well, for four-year, that's what they're talking about is is bachelor um, and beyond. So in a bachelor's degree, they push you trying to get you into field work, try to get you to be to do fundamental research. Um and uh you know apply for grants and do other things it, it, but it really depends on what your end goal is a lot of the fields are like that um but two years really what they're all about is getting you prepped job ready within the two years entry level not necessarily four year um and trade schools get you certifications industry bound certifications so vocational programs saw one of the highest numbers of student enrollment in uh, fall of 2023, according to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. The article is over at Newsweek.com. Omar Mohammed is the author, and it says here those community colleges with a focus on vocational programs saw registrations climb 16%, an increase of 112,000 students, substantially higher than the rate seen before COVID, when it rose 3.7%. The associate degree program jumped more than 2.2% to 96,000 students. So the, the thing here, though, is that vocational programs stalled because COVID basically killed the vocational program. It couldn't maintain COVID level um, distancing, social distancing, right. safety. I mean, those are like on-site jobs, right? Yeah, and you're not wearing a mask and you're right next to people. Everybody's breathing heavy and sweating on each other and all kinds of stuff. Most of the time, you know, you're doing enclosed spaces. You're doing HVAC or welding um, or brickling or automotive, uh, all kinds of stuff. But vocational, plumbing, etc. These are all tight knit communities where everybody is really close together. Um, physically not not you know emotionally you know they're not all giving hugs to each other but they're definitely you know within that six inches of each other welding or something <laughs> um actually you got a lot of safety stuff on um when you're welding so you could actually weld somebody at the table <laughs> no i'm just kidding um anyway yeah it's it's um interesting that the vocational program saw such a massive spike uh, and here I can tell you why um, I wanted to have a faucet installed while I was working. And so I hired, uh, well, I didn't hire. I requested a plumber come in and give me a quote. Now I already had the faucet. They weren't going out and buying me, you know, an $1,100 faucet. <laughs> um, I actually forgot the price that it was. Oh, Ultimately, what happened was the, the dude dropped me a quote of over a thousand dollars just to cut the pipe. It, uh, this is PVC pipe, right? You just uh, that had shark bite fittings on the top. So it was, those are pressure fittings. You just push them down and they work thousand bucks, which if you are a skilled plumber, 
you you pay you make more money if you do it fast right and so i know from experience i could have done it in about uh, the total job maybe 30 to 45 minutes but i was working but i wasn't working worth over a thousand dollars worth of benefit um and so i kind of nixed the thing and um but they literally made uh, i think it was like 45 dollars just coming out and giving me the quote that was eleven hundred dollars not including the price of my faucet because i'm the one that already paid for it um it yeah, was wild such an uptick yeah um but that's what you pay for and and plumbers are not an, a, a thankless job you know when you need a plumber and they come and do the work you pay an arm and a leg but they are thanked profusely because of the hot mess that would ensue if not for the plumber so everybody loves a plumber um and other vocational gigs um are the same way they're very lucrative in certain areas certain fields certain roles right you know, a generic laborer that's building a house isn't going to make an arm and a leg, uh, might cost them an arm and a leg. Um, but that's kind of the domain that we're living in. You know, we don't have perfectly straight walls and stuff like that. Um, I was once kicked off of a job uh, because I was spending too much time trying to make the wall true. And they were... You don't uh, want that. <laughs> no, the builder walked up to me and said, hey man, uh, we don't need the walls perfectly straight. We need them up. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have a hard time doing that because I know if this was my house, I'd like to have a true wall. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, we're not going to have you come back. Thanks. Uh, by the way, that was a friend who let me go. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> eh, it's okay. Um, yeah. So it says it is certainly possible that vocational institutions are growing because they offer programs that prove attractive to students, particularly certificate programs, which are shorter in length and have clearer links to employment outcomes. Yes. And that's exactly it. You do the gig, you get the cert, you go to the place of employment. You say, I am job ready, particularly welding, uh, plumbing, HVAC. It's demonstrative that you have industry experience and this also um, goes to it um, cybersecurity, um, networking things like that aren't vocational uh, but they are quasi um, because all you need is an industry certification that represents that you are aware of the current state of the field and you are entry-level job ready now I think about. the big difference is that with all the rising costs, people, in addition to not being able to afford tuition, can't afford to be out of the workforce that long for right. a four-year degree. Yep. That's it. So you literally can do a boot camp in a week. Um, you can do uh, an academic program in upwards of 15 weeks, but in as little as three. Um, you can sit for a test. You know, at the end of it and get industry certification uh, depending on what it is like uh, welding you can take a class and go sit and and get a certification for a certain grade of welding now that's the only thing that you can do without liability 
Um, and if you do anything outside of that and something happens, you're going to get an insurance claim, but, um, you basically take a test and if your weld doesn't fail, you, you meet the expectations of being able to weld this material. Um, so yeah, it's pretty neat. Let's keep going though. I'm camping this article. So uh, the next article is over in the Mobile channel. Uh, Owners of iconic Philly cheesesteak shop sentenced to prison for tax fraud. Um, th this is interesting, right? Nicholas Lu uh, Lucidondo, oh, sorry, Lucidonio, um, 57, and Anthony Lucidonio Sr., 84, who owned and operated Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's. Huh. Um, a cheesesteak restaurant in South Philly have both been sentenced to 20 months in prison for their decade long conspiracy to defraud the IRS. Lucidonio's That's a pretty long period of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, in what they did is actually quite um, expansive, right? So Lucidonio's hid more than $8 million in cash receipts from the IRS from 2006 to 2016, according to the release. They did so by, among other things, depositing only a portion of the cash that they received through their operations. Um, this person has absolutely nothing to do with this, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Tara Suter over at thehill.com put the article together. And um, that's really all this article is talking about. Lucidonios paid the remainder of their cash or their wages in cash without withholding federal income tax, social security and Medicare taxes or paying those to the IRS. They did not report these cash wages to their accountant, which caused the accountant to prepare and file false quarterly employment tax returns with the IRS. Yeah, because they were the source of the uh, monetary values. The accountant never knew, you know, what was going on, but this is, it's a level of, cognizance it's conspiracy level right well and that's what they were actually charged with it was a conspiracy decade-long conspiracy to defraud the irs they intentionally withheld the information um, and now they're paying it uh with 20 years of um, their freedom right and look now nobody can get cheesesteak either i mean this is a weird thing, though. It says Lucidonios then paid the remainder of their wages in cash without withholding all of that um, from the IRS, Social Security, etc. And in the next paragraph, it says, as a dispute between the Lucidonios and somebody else began, they became worried about their tax fraud scheme coming to light per the release. Because of their fears, they directed that the prior year's tax returns be amended to increase reported sales. So, so I guess were they, they trying to defraud about the taxes? So that's why the IRS got really wound up. Yeah, uh, like I guess. Or like double defraud, I guess. Well, it actually exacerbated their, the cognizance, um, the level of cognizance. They were very aware of what they were doing. It wasn't an oops. It wasn't, uh, you know, failing to pay some tertiary um, tax related, whatever they were actually scheming to prevent taxes on cash receipts that they received for services that were rendered. 
It's interesting, too, because they managed, it looks like, to pay some of their wages correctly and report them for taxes and whatever. Yeah. That probably made it worse for them than if they did none of that. Yeah. And according to the article, the scheme caused a loss of more than $1.3 million to the U.S. So, I mean, it's interesting, but... $1.3 $1.3 million for these people is worth 20 years of their freedom. I mean, $1.3 million. That's it. That's all that is. $1.3 million and two people are going to jail for 20 months. And, but then yes, when you I'd look like around, to know what happened to that $1.3 million? Like, what did it get put into? Well, no, I mean, this is the ratio. They hid eight point or sorry, they they hid eight million dollars in cash receipts from the IRS, so they didn't get taxed. That tax amounts to one point three million dollars not going into the US IRS coffers. Right. So what did they then roll that money into? Well Maybe it, that's part of the issue here. Like what did they do with the eight million dollar cash receipts? Because the this is this 1.3 million is the amount that the U.S. couldn't. Yeah, they would have owed to the IRS or right. whatever. So, but you know, I'm I'm looking at this going. This is 1.3 million dollars over a decade amount, and then there's so much scumbaggery going on in the world in the United States, and they dedicate that much time, and then hammer these two. 20 months in prison for two people defrauding 1.3 million dollars out of failure to pay taxes yet there are a million to see and and that's my problem is that there are all of these people that are capable of manipulating the tax loopholes and other crap and they pay less than three percent on their total uh, tax requirement and, and they're getting out scot-free because they have the wealth to manipulate. These people were riding that fine line of being stupendously wealthy and, and you know, barely making it, arguably. Um, and because that, they felt like, okay, and I'm just, I am kind of injecting my own observation here, not really fact. But I can imagine that they're sitting there going, now we're getting taxed into oblivion. And so they hold on to it. And and I guess I'd like to know what they were originally charged with, because this is what they got convicted of. But was this everything? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It says to to evade detection, they paid most employees a portion of their wages on the books. Um, but they paid most of the people off the books. Lucia, uh, Lucidonio's also committed employment tax fraud by paying employees off the books in cash. So basically it was kind of like a cash shop, um, and no tracking of anything. So, well, it is and they what had it is. multiple years where they probably every time they filed taxes, right? So 10 or 11 times, right. Like each time they were being fraudulent. I mean, that's probably what contributed to the sentence here. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's keep going. 
the next article is over in the mobile channel as well why in and out burger is closing a location for the first time i guess that's not the other in and out in and well, out well who knows <laughs> maybe that one's still thriving <laughs> Fast food company In-N-Out Burger will close the location for the first time following a, shur- a, surge, a surge of crime impacting customers and employees at the Oakland, California restaurant. Uh, if there is any place that's going to close, it's going to be Oakland, California. That place is riotous, apparently. Um, the chain will close its burger joint near Oakland International Airport on March 24th, the company said in a statement reported by the Associated Press. Despite having taken repeated steps to create safer conditions, our customers and associates are regularly victimized, Denny Warnick, in and outs chief operating officer, said in a statement Wednesday per the news service. They really just kind of need to build a wall around Oakland, apparently. Like, whenever I talk to anybody that has visited Oakland or lived in Oakland, they're like, yeah, that place. They say askance. So well, the article whole region is doing pretty badly right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the cost of living around it is wildly high, and that is apparently a high crime population there. Um, mm, uh, what they need is a massive police presence. And <laughs> But I don't know what all of the constituent parts are that's leading to this. Obviously, there's a lack of opportunity. Um, But still, uh, a target-rich environment for criminals to nab everything from In-N-Out burgers to everything else. Miranda Nazaro over at thehill.com put the article together. Fast food company In-N-Out is going to close that location in Oakland, California. Um, apparently it was reported by the Associated Press and they're going to close it on March 24th. Um, don't really need to go deeper into this. Um, but since 2019, police have logged 1,335 incidents in the area of the restaurant location. Uh, that's kind of a lot considering that's what, a 1,200, uh, days or whatever. Yeah, at least one a day. Um, And so that included nine robberies, two commercial burglaries, four domestic violence incidents, and 1,174 car break-ins, the newspaper added, citing police data it obtained from the Oakland Police Department. I guess they were getting in and out. (laughs) Uh, Right, exactly. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. Here's the reason Heinz condiment packets have a number and color in the upper right corner. I think I've noticed this, but didn't care. Um, and now here's the answer An ad on the uh, website, formerly known as Twitter that teased a tidbit about condiments led to a huge article that never mentioned the subject. Here are the answers. The article is over at Snopes, Jordan Lyles or Lilla's Lyles. I'll just say Lyles um, is the author of this. Again, it's at Snopes.com. Um, I love Snopes because there's no I, there's no discernible bias here. They answer the questions. They do the due diligence. They post their facts, the observable facts. Um, but um, 
that's why we uh, started aggregating the little tidbit so that we could send everybody over to this, uh, to their site, snopes.com. So what they're talking about is, um, apparently a little, uh, Twitter post from home talk, uh, that says, don't be the last to know the genius features on common items, but it has a picture that shows this little number 10 or number two or whatever number it's going to be in a, in a way that you tear it. So you tear right here in a little arcing motion so that you can rip this little corner off and then you squeeze your Heinz condiment onto whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. It makes sense. It does, but I didn't know there were numbers on these before this article. Yeah. So here's what these numbers mean. Apparently in a January, 2024, um, advertisement, displayed to users on the website formerly known as Twitter. It showed pictures with circles around. It's not really around. Oh, I guess it does say around the numbers and colors on individual packets of Heinz Mayo. Don't be the last to know. However, the post did not lead to any answers. So for example, the article claimed that every home oven that has a drawer that's meant for keeping food warm. However, that's not always true as previously mentioned on Snopes uh, with many ovens, a drawer is simply meant for storage. Although depending on the drawer, you better make sure because if you put plastic items in a warming drawer, they're going to melt. Um, as for the Heinz packets, which are known also known as sachets, um, which is also what Mayor Watt does on Fridays. Um, <laughs> the company previously posted on the website, formerly known as Twitter, that numbers on the packaging simply indicate a filling line in the plant where each pocket was filled with the condiment, whether it be ketchup, mustard, mayo, or another product. But if that's true. Are you filling your pockets with condiments? I've only done packets? that a couple of times. I, um, uh, and I've been asked in, in those times by the restaurant to never return. Um, so this says 10 and this says two. So was this, is this just the lane? Because both of these are Mayo, but the way that that was grammatically written, see, for instance, it says down here at the bottom, it indicates the filling line in the plant where each packet was filled with the condiment, whether it be ketchup, mustard, mayo, or another product. When you read this, don't, don't you infer from it that the filling line is the one is that, based on the condiment type, like all ketchup's going to be number three or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But both of these are mayo and one has a 10, one has a two. I think it means that if you're, I agree. It reads like that, but I think it means if it's ketchup, there could be a one, two, three, four. If it's mayo, it could be one, two, three, four, et cetera. Yeah. yeah right. So all of the mayos had multiple filling lines and number 10 is number 10 in the filling line list. So is there, how many filling lines are there? Is there a sachet out there that has a, like a 100? I don't know what's the highest number out there. I don't know. Right here is two and 10. This is like a collector's item because it's really close to the filling line. Like the start of the filling line. They should call them lanes, filling lanes, not lines. Yeah, that would make more sense. Because a fill line is like to the level with the level uh, with uh, to which the Heinz Mayo is filled. 
And because I read really fast um, down at the bottom, this little blue mark is actually telling the cutter where to cut. Um, so once it's stamped sealed, the cutter oh, goes I see. Okay. cut right here. Why doesn't it have it on the other one? It might be on the back or, or um, it. this is a marker that says uh, start cutting here and then everything after that is X amount distance. Cut, cut, cut. And then it's a registration mark to realign as it's going through the system. Um, well, that so, might be a collector's item if you get one that has that on it. Ooh, it's like an upside down airplane stamp. The Flying Jenny, right? The Flying Jenny. Wow. I didn't think that they would know that kind of information in the future AI. Guess they do. All right. Well, let's keep going. We've got a few more articles to get through. Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. New discovery brings nearly dead plants back to life. That's right. Zombie plants are here to stay. And when they die, they come back. And when they die, they come back. You can't get rid of that kudzu. Uh, discovery brings nearly dead plants back to life. It's uh, kind of like New, New York CPR, where they kick somebody a couple of times and say, breathe or you're going to die. Discovery brings nearly dead plants back to life. Scientists have been aware of specific organelle in plants for more than 100 years. The article is over at SciTechDaily.com, so expect a deep dive. Uh, before I do that, let me throw this into the chat. There you go. There you go, folks. Um, so University of California, Riverside, put the article together, and they got a picture of this glowing plant, which I really don't think is going to be. The, oh, Golgi bodies or Golgi bodies. I've known about Golgi bodies for a long time. Researchers at UC Riverside have revealed the pivotal role of Golgi body and uh, COG or COG protein in uh, plant aging, a discovery with potential implications for understanding aging processes in humans. Um, the researchers initially set out to understand more generally which parts of plant cells control plant responses to stress from things like infections, too much salt, or too little light. Serendipitously, wow, that's a big word. They found this organelle and a protein responsible for maintaining the organelle. Control whether plants survive being left too often in the dark because they had not expected this discovery, which was described in Nature Plants, uh, the research team was thrilled for us. Finding that uh, this finding is a big deal. For the first time, we have defined the profound importance of an organelle in the cell that was not previously implicated in the process of aging, said Katie Dehesh, um, distinguished professor of molecular biochemistry at UCR. And co As opposed to her colleagues, the undistinguished professors of molecular yeah. biochem. You know what? And I bet you she makes everybody wear a jacket that says undistinguished or I'm with the distinguished professor and they always have to stand on the right. <laughs> Point it right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I would love to see that. But everybody is good natured about it, you know. You know that there's one professor there that's going to be a complete dingbat about it. Can't read the room. Has no personality. Complete nud. Well, anyway. Distinguished professor of microbiology. Sorry. Molecular biochemistry. I don't know why I made that up. Ah, at UCR and co-author of the new article. 
the Golgi or Golgi body. I think it's Golgi body. I think I remember it being called Golgi body. And the cog protein, key players in cellular health. Uh, Golgi are like the post office of the cell. They package and send out proteins and lipids to where they're needed, said He Seung Choi, a researcher at UCR's Botany and Plant Sciences Department and co-author of the new study. A damaged Golgi can create confusion and trouble in the cell's activities, affecting how cell uh, how the cell works and stays healthy. So I guess that is what's responsible for it. And they're showing, um, there's a picture of the two holding young green and old yellow arapidopsis plants in the laboratory um yes we're all familiar with those right araba uh, yeah it's arabidopsis not arapa it's arabi arabidopsis huh all right cool uh, there's more at this article um but it goes just deeper into the weeds Yes, I did that on purpose. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I need to do a transition. Okay, folks, let's go. Next article. Um, looks like the aggregator kind of munged this here. Sargassum seaweed bloom explodes to new record size. Look at the size of that sargassum. Uh, the article is by Alex uh, Martishoy over at thehill.com thehill.com um i think it's a next star the next star articles always cause that anyway last month the bloom increased so substantially oh before i said yeah i thought that i didn't say the name but i just did alex martishoy sorry last month the, yeah exactly last month the bloom increased so substantially that the abundance reached a New record from all previous December months, researchers at University of South Florida Optical Oceanography Lab said. Okay. This type of seaweed. Oh my called... god, is it growing? Like is it in the lab or is it still in the ocean? Oh, it's in the ocean. This type of seaweed called sargassum exploded in abundance last month. One million metric tons of sargassum in the central Atlantic uh in November rapidly grew to five million tons by December. That's more than has ever been observed in the month of December. It indicates 2024 will be another major sargassum year. Uh, the problem is that the water is warming, and so it's there's nothing that's causing it to uh, contract. The size of the blooms and the destruction they cause can really uh, has uh, really ramped up over the past decade. Before 2011, we never saw anything like this. Good news is that basically no sargassum was found in the Gulf of Mexico and only a relatively small amount, 120,000 tons, was found in the Caribbean. But that's expected to change over the coming months. The band of seaweed is growing more abundant and currents will bring pieces of it westward. They actually have a graphic right here that shows the sargassum bloom. Uh, I mean, the yeah. fact that you can see it compared to the land mass is not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so last year, the sargassum mass grew to 13 million tons. Not all of that washed up on beaches, of course, but the clumps that did wreaked havoc in parts of Florida and posed major challenges for the tourism industry. Because it smells horrible, it decomposes its biomass, um, and it actually carries a whole bunch of 
other creatures on it and in it um, that can pose a health threat. So they say small creatures live inside it. It actually can transport stuff from non-native locations um, and thus cause an infestation of something um, that, like jellyfish larvae that wouldn't normally exist in Florida can be brought into Florida. The, the department uh, suggested using gloves if you have to handle sargassum and closing windows if you live near the beach to avoid breathing issues and bad smells. Yeah, because it's all just nasty. Anyway, that's it. Let's try to avoid the... This is all climate change related, so... They need to find an animal that will eat sargassum. Like, for instance, they need to introduce something like an alligator. What could go wrong there? Right, and then uh, what is that thing? The, uh, the woman that bought... The, uh, swallowed the, the fly or something. Swallowed the a spider. Is that the right swallowed one? the fly. Yeah, it swallowed the fly, and they end up. I guess somebody uh, they the person keeps on getting something bigger and bigger to get the bigger and bigger, and it ends up eating her. I think. Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. Scientists design a two-legged robot powered by muscle tissue. <laughs> I don't know if this is good or bad because I'm into cybernetics, like not the systems organization stuff, but the actual technology, meat and machines, cyber uh, technology compared to robots. Human bodies are flexible, capable of fine movements and convert energy efficiently into movement, drawing inspiration from human gait. Researchers from Japan crafted a two-legged biohybrid robot by combining muscle tissues and artificial materials. Okay, if you don't know this, here's a quick rundown of how muscles work. They do one thing, they contract. When you bring your, if you curl your arm in, <laughs> if you curl your arm in, your, your bicep is contracting. If you let your arm extend back out, it's the tricep that's pulling your arm back um, it's contracting and your bicep is just relaxing and then tendons are holding everything together. Um, but muscles only do one thing, contract. And when they're not contracting, they're just limp, Blah, whatever. I don't care anymore. I can't even. So enough of this weightlifting. So I suspect that this robot has muscles on either side of a joint. Um, so let's take a look at this thing. Cell press is where it's from. Um, TechExplore.com is the source. Scientists design a two-legged robot powered by muscle tissue. Um, I'm not sure where the muscle, this might be the muscle tissue right here. Oh, I wish that they would not do that like hazy mouse over thing. Um, so let me, I'll click on it. <coughs> so I suspect there's a little platform right here where the muscle is actually attached and down here it's attached like pinched um, and then if they uh, electrify it then it will contract and lift you know like that leg and then that leg that leg and then that leg um it's cool but creepy yeah i and can't decide if it's more cool or more creepy oh they've got a video so scientists designed a two-legged uh, robot powered by muscle tissue and it's a, a, a YouTube video. Let me hit play. I'll silence it. 
Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, so these are the two electrodes that they're charging up and depending on, I guess, the angle of where they are activating it, they're contracting that one muscle. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. I mean, it is what it is. Creepy. It but is still lab cool. grown, at least, so. True. So researchers on biohybrid robots, which are a fusion of biology and mechanics, is recently attracting attention as a new field of robotics featuring biological functions, says corresponding author Shoji Takeuchi of the University of uh, Tokyo, Japan. Using muscles as actuators allows us to build a compact robot and achieve efficient, silent movements with a soft touch. Um, I already had. Sorry, I have to dislike that song. That was so horrible. Um, anyway, to build a nimbler robot with fine and delicate movements, the researchers designed a biohybrid robot that mimics human gait and operates in water. The robot has a foam buoy top and weighted legs to help it stand straight underwater. The skeleton of the robot is mainly made from silicone rubber and can bend and flex to conform to uh, muscle movements. The researchers then attached strips of lab-grown skeletal muscle tissues to the silicone rubber and each leg and away it goes. And you can actually watch this video. I've linked to the article that's over, uh, the snippet in Omtown. You follow the link through Omtown over to the source. I actually referred, I, I named this flexible robots because they flex. Ha, ha, ha. Right. I mean, it's like, um, I don't know what it's like. I can't think of, it seems like it's like a toy, but it's yeah. not, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially it's a wind up toy, except that you're using an electrical charge in water. At some point, this will be encapsulated in something where the electric charge is sent from the top to the bottom and it just contracts right there. Um, and that's exactly what it is in us, right? There's no external force, but I can hit you with a taser and your muscles will contract. Right. But we are actually activating ATP and uh, if I recall my biology correctly, we are activating basically um, a, a pump of electrons that causes our arms to tighten. And then we actually have a chemical reaction that builds up when we exercise and, and we have to offset that over time, wear and tear. Um, and But it's electrical in nature and biochemical is the result. Um, and that's the same thing here. They're using a big liquid. Basically in this, the whole tub of water is your arm or your leg. And the electrons are the nerves that we fire so that our muscles contract. Um, so they're basically doing a version of human anatomy or any living creature anatomy. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, the robot made a 90 degree left turn in 62 seconds. The findings showed that the muscle driven bipedal robot can walk, stop and make fine tuned turning motions. Uh Oh, watch out for these. They're taking over. Eventually. I mean, if you were to put this, these little strands inside the robotic fine motors, uh, motor skill like hands, 
instead of having little micro servers, servos that have only a certain level of fidelity, you can have this, which has that entire level of contraction to make your, your, like I can do every single, you know, micron of distance closing my hand and opening it. Robots have to go tick, 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 whatever the resolution of the servo is. Um, but this is perfect, complete range. I don't know. The, it seems pretty amazing to me. Um, and eventually maybe we can do meat and machine merging together mechanical bones, but robot muscles, or I should say, you know, lab grown muscles, um, to facilitate replacing lost limbs and stuff like that. It's pretty cool stuff, man. Pretty cool. So let's do our last article for tonight. Uh, the ISS is getting a new pair of creepy robot arms, which made me think of Choo Choo Charles uh, running down the track trying to eat me. Um, astronauts on board the International Space Station are about to make a new cyborg friend in the form of two short mechanical arms that will do their bidding in the cold, dark vacuum of low Earth orbit. Ever getting lower Earth orbit because the ISS is being decommissioned. So exactly. It's interesting that they're bringing these creepy robot arms up into space. It seems like a really weird time to deploy them. Yeah. Isn't it right around the corner? Isn't it like two years away or something like that? Or is I it 35? So. I don't remember. So the article is over at Gizmodo. Uh, Passant Robbie is the uh, author of this. They don't look too creepy to me. 2030. Oh, 2030. Yeah, I know. It's only only six years away. Five years in the grand scheme of things. They got to get everything out of there, so it's not going to be operational. So, space startup GITAI, or GITAI, I guess, I don't know, um, is launching its robotic arms to carry out orbital handiwork outside the space station. These are, these look like huge, chonking hands. Like with just little, little clamps, you know, no fidelity. It's just open, close, turn probably, but that's it, you know? Now there's little, um, servo, not little, there's servos that allow it to rotate just like a, a an arm, but it's all big and bulky and it's a, they're only 1.5 meter long autonomous robot arms. That'll be installed on the outside of the space station. I mean, mine are almost one. Like, what are they going to do? It just looks so thick for being only 1.5 meters. They're only like five foot long arms. What? I don't understand. How big is the ISS? That doesn't make much sense. It's a, oh, look, see, 4.9 foot. (laughs) California based startup. Gitai is launching its five foot long and rounding up autonomous dual robotic arm system called S2 to the ISS as part of its 20th commercial resupply mission. It'll ride on board SpaceX's Cygnus cargo spacecraft, which will be uh, carried atop a Falcon 9. Look at that. There is a video to this, by the way. I won't bother. Now, are they going to launch it and you'll see the arms uh, during the launch, or is this going to be contained? <laughs> it's. A- it's going to swim in the space. Um, 
and it's going to report back, I'm flying, I'm flying. No. Eh, hey, I mean, silent. if they're autonomous, they might be doing that. We're all too. Um, yeah, so it just looks chunky, you know? I just don't, yeah. I don't get much out of this. So it's neat. Uh, once they reach space, the arms will be attached to the outside of the space station's nanoracks bishop airlock for the first time uh, first in space demonstration s2 is designed to carry out maintenance inspection assembly and life extension operations for satellites according to gitai uh, gitai i don't know the robot arms also have a handy cool cha uh, changer installed or a handy tool changer sorry it's hard it's, that's kind of like a a really powerful CNC machine where it can change tools for a specific job. So following tests on Earth, Gitai is hoping to prove the capabilities of its cyborg friend in space so that it can provide its not uh, its on-orbit services for satellites and future commercial space stations in low-Earth orbit and geostationary orbit. I wonder if they're going to move this over to something else because, you know, like we just said, there's only five years of functional life left in the ISS unless something changes those plans. Right. Yeah. Maybe they're bringing it up and then they have some plan, but I don't know what they could transport it to. Right. Cause there's no ISS replacement. Yeah. It hasn't even started any, I mean, they've talked about it, but, um, it's pretty big, but it's moldy inside the ISS as well. The ISS already has two cyborg arms. The 37-foot-long European robotic arm and the 58-foot-long Canada arm, um, or Canada arm. Uh, Europe's gigantic mission, sorry, Europe's gigantic machine launched in uh, uh, July 2021 and is able to anchor itself to the space station and walk back and forth by moving one hand over the other. Well, that doesn't sound creepy. What? That sounds like a scene out of um, the Adams family or something. Are you kidding me? Thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Canada Arm, which has been around for more than 20 years, moves equipment and serves uh, services instruments on board the ISS. This is pretty cool. Uh, well, just like all of our article discussions, there's a little bit more over at Gizmodo that I think that you should go and check out um at this article but it's in our show notes and uh you can go over there and read the rest of it i think that it's um, pretty neat and you can you can get a a closer look at at this the arms and stuff like that and if you're in the podcast listening to it via the podcast and obviously follow the links in the show notes and it'll take you over to hometown and through hometown all roads pass all information passes and um go go join become a citizen you can uh, engage in discussion or create lists or follow us each day here in uh, hometown daily news show so with that we're done so let's pile into the party bus and drive all the way back down to main street and the welcome sign i'm not going to click the screen because tonight's been kind of wonky and uh but life is what life is so there's a little bit of give and take yeah, of course, White House is suddenly alarmed of deep fakes because Taylor Swift is involved. You know, NFL and the White House worry about Taylor Swift. Anyway, 
I'm Merwatt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that uh, sends me error messages, but doesn't say them out loud because it would probably never end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern for Hometown Daily. And then immediately following for the Reality Hacker Show. Yeah, there might be a last minute change of plans on Sunday. It might be early or it might be late um, because uh, there are some mayoral duties that need to be attended to. So um, either way, we'll get it. We'll get it sorted and we'll have the show, but um, we'll we'll figure it out with that in mind. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.